fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies. Welcome to FGGGBT. This is the show that takes your favorite fictional science and technology and makes it a reality. We do that as a group called The Brain Trust. I am the analytical mastermind, Daniel J. Glenn. Next to me, physics phenom, Dr. Michael Denon. Great to be here, Dan. Very excited. And of course, next to him, the enigmatic engineer, Ben Seepser. Ben, thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me, Dan. Now, this is going to be fun. We are going to talk about... I've wanted to do this one for a while. I want to talk about Pokemon, both the creatures and the Pokeball, of course. And what better way with the new release of Mewtwo Strikes Back, uh, which is a, a great remake of the original of the original Pokemon. We're going to talk use that as a basis for what we're talking about, but obviously we're going to reach into the far depths of the Pokemon universe. But of course, if we're doing this show, everyone's going to want to know what our favorite Pokemon are. We've got to talk about that first. Uh, Denon, I'm going with you first because I, I bet your answer is going to be the funniest. Okay. <laughs> first of all, Dan, <laughs> this, this is yeah. the closest. So I have for years and years done Stump the Professor, as you know, as a signature yeah, thing live. And I am really glad no one's asked me about a Pokemon because um, – Oh, my God. I've been trying to stump you for you. I think I almost stumped you once with, with Fluffy's yes. Hulk. Yeah, you almost did. But you know what? Until until I watched this full movie in preparation for this episode, a Pokemon probably would have stumped me just because I find it very <laughs> confusing. Not, not the science. Sure. The science, I'm, we're going to be fine. I just, I right. really didn't get Pokemons. I, it was clear. Um, you know, I watched right. Pikachu, the movie, the recent one, the live one that probably lots yep. of people hated and enjoyed it for no good reason. Um, partly because I really didn't understand what was going on in that movie either. But <laughs> I will say... Yeah. I will yeah. say I, I do have a favorite Pokemon um, for no good reason. I am probably going to be – I'm probably going to violate something and be laughed at. But I really liked – I believe I'm going to get the name right. Charmander? Do I have the name right? Yeah. Yeah, Char- yeah. He's one of the evolutions of the um, Charmander, yeah. Okay. Charizard, I think, is – there's like three. They, they evolve. But you're, they, you like the little guy. Uh, okay, maybe I like Charizard. I don't know. I don't know which version I like. <laughs> but I, I basically – I love dragons. And in this movie, yeah. there, there was just – I don't know. There was some of the stuff that it did that I just really found very enjoyable and funny. I mean, part of me wanted to go with Pikachu just because I like knew what Pikachu was. Um, and, sure. But I really couldn't go that way because whenever we play Mario Smash, Mario Smash Brothers, I believe yeah. one of my kids destroys me regularly with Pikachu. So I just don't have good feelings <laughs> towards Pikachu. Right. So, so that's kind of where I am on Pokemon's right now. But the Charmander or Charizard, I I I like. I mean, dragons. I, I always you can't go wrong with dragons. No, not at all. They're and he's good. They're pretty powerful, if not one of the yeah. most powerful outside of Mewtwo. I think if I'm getting my Pokemon correct. Yeah. Um, ben, what, what do you like? So this one's. So I'm one of those people who still plays uh, Pokemon Go. Oh my God, you, that's you. Yeah, that's me. So do you have a, do you have a Netflix DVD subscription as well? No. <laughs> <laughs> Took me a second to understand. I've, oh, you're not you're not you're not the last the last remaining. I've never had a Netflix DVD subscription. <laughs> I was trying to couldn't even. Uh, took me a second to even think about what you were talking about. Oh, now you scared me, Ben. I may not have canceled mine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that game really got me into a Pokemon called Raikou, which or Raikou. I don't know. It's very. It's never clear to me how you're supposed to pronounce a lot of these guys, but uh, Raikou is like a lion-looking thing that has lightning, and it's uh, it's 
pretty cool looking, and it's a very good battler, which is why I like it. <laughs> right? Is he is he your battler of choice in your Pokemon Go world? Um, he's electricity is a pretty pretty is often a good source of neutral damage. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's useful against <laughs> a lot of things, and it's great against flyers. And there's a lot of flyers that are really annoying. I, I the, the, what I like about this world, and there's 896 of these things as of right now. Oh my gosh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of Pokemon out there. Yeah, and the and the official Pokédex. I love the interactions on who be too. I mean, it's a lot of fun. Had I been probably a couple years younger, I would have been way into Pokemon. It kind of went by me. I was like right on the fringes when it first came out. But I, I love the idea. I actually liked the. I thought the card game was actually a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but but my you know at 896, I, I'm going with the fir- number one. I really like Bulbasaur. I loved. And all the evolutions. I really just like this idea of this giant frog with a flower on its back that turned into like a palm tree. <laughs> I don't know why I liked it. I like that it could use photosynthesis. And also, you know, one of my favorite things outside of the octopus in the animal kingdom, I love mutualism. I love these mutually beneficial species working together, man. You know, I, I don't seem like that kind of guy, but I do like when everyone works together. You know, Zuzanthili is one of the most prolific partners in the animal kingdom where it kind of lends its photosynthet- photosynthetic abilities to things i love that and that's all bulbasaur into one pokemon and he's number one i believe in in the pokedex well, you got 896 we want to keep it simple with with mewtwo strikes back we're going to kind of use that as our basis but i think if we're going to hit pokemon at all we got to talk about the pokeball but this is really a chicken or the egg scenario so i'm gonna ask you guys first do you think we should talk about the pokeball first or do you think we should describe pokemon first well i would say the pokemon because they definitely came first well <laughs> they came before the pokeball i mean i think i think from another perspective ben is right in the following sense this is the classic um physics biology challenge right the the physics of the pokeball is completely dependent on the biology of the Pokemon. Okay, makes sense. Right, so it's not worth trying to explain a Pokeball unless you understand what it is you're trying to Pokeball-ish. Or Pokeball-ish. Right. I, I don't know what right. the right verb is. I think you nailed it. So I, th- I think I think we got to go with the Pokemon first. So let's talk about Pokemon. So essentially, these are... I think we have to believe that these exist in an alternate universe where the physics is a little different. Because all of the Pokemon are essentially chimeras. They're basically a bunch of different animals kind of spliced together. In the movie, we do see a lot of bioengineering. There's cloning. There's all kinds of stuff going on here. Some of them even have cybernetic weapon systems. Like, um, what's the Squirtle's final evolution with the... Blastoise. Blastoise, yeah. So they have. there's a lot going on here with that. So I think we kind of have to really understand what is the substance of a Pokemon... I'm going, you know, I, 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 I did this in the last episode. I, I, I think they have to be part energy or at least have a, a component that converts them into energy very quickly for the Pokeball later on. But I think if they are energy and can kind of change their matter, it allows them to do several of the kind of quasi-amazing things that we see them do. What do you guys think about that? So, Dan, I, you know, this is exactly where, where I was going, and I like what you were saying. So... The the reality is, you know, whenever you're you know faced with superpowers or magical beings, um, in our world, when we use the word energy, it really actually, from a physics point of view, only describes kind of the state of something. Energy itself is not mm. a thing; it's not separate. Okay, right. And but in the Pokemon world, you 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 are actually in a place 
where matter can transform from one form and then back again, which is something that you just, with the laws of physics as we understand them in our world, can't achieve. So what, mm -hmm. what I really think is going on, you're right, it's an alternate universe. And what we know is that you can actually keep, in a sense, what's really the core physics the same and change the physical constants. And that mm -hmm. would create some new and interesting behaviors. And one thing that's very hard to imagine and think about, but I feel this is a world where quantum mechanics is a little stronger. So H-bar, Planck's constant, is the fundamental number that sets the scale and strength of quantum mechanics and when you get quantum effects. And quantum mechanics really governs the transmutation of, of things from one form to another more than anything else, I think, in the physics that we know of. So without, without going to the extreme of totally throwing out the physics, I think you're going to a world where you're changing Planck's constant. That's, that's kind of where I start with this. Okay. I was wondering if when you, because if you're looking at these worlds, I've, you know, I've done lots of thought experiments when I was in, in high school on what would an alternate universe look like if you just changed the power of the strong force or the power of the, you know, the, the, we live in such a world where, the, where the, the forces of our world are so very exact that if you just tweaked one or the other, it would actually destroy everything. But what if you tweaked it in just the right ways on each side? Could you still have a balanced world where these types of things were possible? And I think that's kind of what you're saying with the adjusting of Planck's constant, right? That's what I would hope. You'd have to do more than just that. There'd be other things. And it, what's weird about it is it mostly looks like our world, but it allows for these creatures with extra abilities. So I'm wondering if what you're looking at is a world where Planck's constant can vary and there's something about the Pokemon that you have a local value of Planck's constant that's different. Now, hmm. there's so there's lots of on that. Let me. I'm going to be play little devil's advocate here because one of the there's a lot of interesting themes in this movie and one is really science versus nature and so you know like Mewtwo is actually a scientific evolution of the Meowtwo the, of the Mew I'm sorry of the Mew Mew just Mew, Mew. yes yeah. right Mew 1 yeah just yeah. single Mew right not Meowth <laughs> Meowth is something different but you know it, so it, it's this but but supposedly Mew has all basically he contains all the genetic information of all the Pokemon. So right. there is a real scientific basis for this. But how much is that manipulated to create these things? And you know how how does the science versus nature kind of argument work in this? I'll, I'll let Ben handle some engineering, but I'll just make one quick comment before he does that. You know. I, going back to this, you, you mentioned the DNA and the genetic material, and I realized, you know, in physics, masses are a parameter, and those are all set by the Higgs boson and what it does. So I think what we're talking about here is, is this universe got another particle that only exists in the Pokemon that is what's changing the local physics environment, and that somehow we're using that to engineer things. So with that, I'm going to throw it to Ben. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I think... It seems to me like they, they try to make the creature... I mean, they're obviously magical to some degree. Like, you know, telekinesis, telepathy, you know, Mew flies or just floats. Like, he just defies gravity, basically. There's all sorts of weird stuff in these creatures. But w once you get away from, like, the legendary ones, like, once you go to, like, the Bulbasaurs, the Charmanders, like, there's not too much crazy physics-wise physics, physics -wise about them outside of, like, when they attack. They're just weird monsters that have you know dna and like i could imagine most of them basically follow the four limb 
structure of animals on this planet like and could easily i see could easily be have evolved you know from what we have out there like there's no reason a squirtle isn't just a turtle um i mean so i don't to me it's not much of a leap to get to these body shapes and these body types, what's what's cool and what's magical. So the, the combinations, the combinations don't bother you, like a lizard that can that can set on fire or a, a turtle that can shoot water. It, it's the it's the powers that that becomes weird. Like where does the water come from? Like if you look at the Gyarados uh, that does like a hydro cannon against Mew during the battle, it's it's throwing out. I don't know, probably maybe like a hundred gallons a second of water um, coming out of that, you know, coming off that. And, you know, if you want to think of that from a physics standpoint, right, that's, that's, what did I say, a hundred gallons. So that's eight, 800 pounds of matter basically materializing to do this attack per second. Or it's uh, 660,000 square feet of air or cubic feet of air that it's inhaling somehow and condensing the water vapor and pushing that into a water beam. And so in reality, it's just sucking all of the air around it and turning it into water. I think that that's a really good way to think about it though, because I, I not, not so much that they're creating this water out of nothing, but it has some sort of system, some biological system that's either pulling it out of the air right. or generating it. Maybe it has cells that very can very quickly generate water from base components. That's certainly possible, but the, the mass has to come from somewhere. And right. unless it's coming from the air, you know, I don't know, maybe it always has like a straw, you know, into the ocean. <laughs> You, you just can't sure see. yeah yeah no I, I see what you're saying right <laughs> like the raw materials aren't there is what you're saying to to create this. yeah but but some of the other powers are a lot less complicated like we've we've talked about like electric eels and electrical powers before mm. like you know pikachu could you know you would need very high voltages to make the lightning bolts you see come off of a pikachu actually you know happen but you could that's just an exaggeration of what really of of the actual world like we can make lightning, you know, we can make static electricity bolts between ourselves that are a couple inches long. You know, you just got to extrapolate that up to, you know, the little electric mouse and yeah, you get, you get a thunderbolt, you know, it's not so scale it up a little bit. I think that's a really important point that Ben brings up is, and it goes back to what you said originally, Dan, things like the electrical powers don't require generating additional mass. It's just how much energy they're going to yeah. create. Things like the water powers require matter and mass. And this is why yeah. I really like the idea of some sort of local twist on on the quantum structure and you know what actually sets mass and matter. What is the relationship in E equals M C squared that's going on? Because mm -hmm. you know, you can imagine their little pocket dimensions of transformation um mm -hmm. because they're a pocket anomaly in the fundamental constants, which is a very right. weird way of thinking of things. And to our theme, we're on a, a two-episode theme here of sufficiently advanced science or technology looks like magic, right? Or, or a sufficiently alternate universe would right. look like magic, right? And, yeah. and I think that's yeah. – I, I mean, I think you're right. The obvious solutions – you mentioned this. You know, if you change the parameters, the obvious solutions are just worlds that didn't exist or never came to be. So it's kind of – a funky way to think, okay, well, how much variation could you get? Right. Yeah. 
and I really think some of the powers are a lot simpler to explain yeah, than others. Definitely. Like the the fire ones aren't actually too bad. Like you, you could imagine that they have, you know, you have like animals and real animals that have like that spit acid and things mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, spitting a flammable thing isn't crazy and you don't need a huge volume like you would with like the water cannons. But then, like, you have the plant attacks, and it's like, where, where are these leaves coming from? <laughs> right, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> but then there's other ones, like the solar beam, which the is also a plant attack, which is just a big, big light, big, bright laser beam, basically. So, you know, you can just have something to get really hot, and, you know, chemical laser, you know, that that's not too bad. I, I did just have a crazy idea, Dan, not to interrupt mm-hmm. you. Um, yeah. Is, is this a place where Acme portable holes might be coming in? And that's where all the um, leaves yeah. are coming from. I'm just throwing it out there. I, Cross episode reference. <laughs> no, I love that idea. It's... I, I mean, he, well, here's we don't have to explain all 896 Pokemon and their powers because that would take a long time. Right. No, it would right. take a while. But what I, what I, I want to establish a base of how these things kind of exist. And, and I think we have to go with the energy route because I think that's maybe the only way the Pokeballs work, which we have to move on to. Because um, I want to save, I want to make sure we have enough time for the Pokeballs. Because to me, I thought these were really interesting. And believe it or not, I've got some pretty cool in real life examples of Pokeballs that I want to no, make sure really we get did? to. I do, yeah, I do. Two of them, <laughs> two fun ones. Uh, okay. But but basically, a Pokeball contains, captures, contains, and then you're able to release a Pokemon. And each Pokeball <laughs> can only be used on a single Pokemon, so they're almost branded in a way. I don't know if it's a digital branding or an energetic branding, but each Pokeball, I think, can only capture... Once a Pokemon is captured in a Pokeball, it, if you release yeah, it, they like yeah, sink. You, can't, you can't reuse the Pokeballs. Yeah. I think this is really interesting, and, and according to the, you know, to the show, these are made from a fruit, an, an, uh, an apricorn, which is a rare fruit that's hollowed out, and basically technology is put inside these things. So there's like a natural base to the Pokeball, which is also kind of an interesting twist on the world. Here's where I went with this, Dan. You know, we think of material objects as being solid and having a single shape. But quantum mechanics, fundamentally, we know there's a wave and particle duality. You, you shoot electrons at a double slit, you get interference patterns, and you don't know where it is. And, and the fact that we don't see those, I, I come back to where we started. The fact that we don't see that effect on the everyday is the size of Planck's constant. And I feel like what the Pokeball somehow does is trans creates a situation like the double slit where the Pokemon itself is now suddenly put into its pure quantum state and is a wave function and, and, and then is in the ball until you make a different measurement and it comes back out again. Now, visually, if we're going to represent that in a movie, mm-hmm. we're going to show like this cool sparkly energy and the Pokemon getting sucked in and school park, cool sparkly energy and the Pokemon coming out. I think in the real world of Pokemons, you may not have the sparkly energy. You really just have this creation of an interesting quantum moment that puts the Pokemon in this undetermined state inside the Pokeball until you release it. Now, that may be a bunch of mumbo-jumbo that doesn't mean much, but I think it's the way you have to go. You have to think about a world with a different quantum mechanics. Now, hmm. now what about this? What if... What if- could you shrink the Pokemon, like I Dream of Genie style, down 
and then put it into a Pokeball. Now, I understand the mass isn't going to change, so whatever the weight of the Pokemon is going to be, even if you remove the space in between the atoms, you make it smaller, it's still going to weigh the same. But then the poke, because the Pokeballs float and they carry a bunch of them around, is there any way to have some sort of uh, anti-gravity device on the technology or some way to counteract the weight in some way that you can shrink it down, hold it, and then be able to have it float or be essentially weightless? I'm going to turn to Ben for the shrinking, but I would argue once you've sh- – I'm <laughs> okay. going to give you the hard one, Ben. Once you've shrunk it and stuck it in the ball, then I'm with you, Dan. Then, you know, having some, you know, counter-floating thingy device. Uh, that was not a good name. I, I apologize. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll come up with something. We'll brainstorm something better. We'll brainstorm something better. That's not inconceivable. I like where you're going with that. It has that a nice ring to it, you know. Shrink them and then hold them and have extra – sort of power generating the flotation and you know i'll let our evil mad scientist um yeah ben to describe the shrinking ray that we now need to invent <laughs> well i think you just use pin particles right right yeah, exactly. yeah of course it's yeah. already done just, just rob the uh rob the uh pim pim laboratories the the pokemon shrinking has the same problem that all these you know shrink ray things have which is clearly these pokemon weigh a lot mm-hmm. and but and then you know, you, you, there's no way you could pick up, you know, a Gyarados or a Blastoise, you know, just deadlifting it or right. whatever. But somehow when it's in the ball, you know, it's it's an apple and you can pick it up and toss it around. Right. No problem. I'm actually wondering, like, are they in the ball or is it, again, this some sort of pocket dimension? Hmm. You know, is the ball like a teleporter or something that teleports the pokemon to you know a nice farm upstate sure. well, that, that's where they hang out until right. you uh need them to do your battles which is really yeah we haven't even talked about, about the it. the ethics of the, the <laughs> cock fighting dog baiting kind of like as, as, the aspects of, of what we're doing here with them or, or the fact that it's children running around unsupervised <laughs> yes less of a concern than a bunch of animals fighting to the death in my opinion but uh but yeah that, that is a concern yeah. as well and, and sadly enough not the darkest thing we've gone down and considered on this <laughs> on this podcast. But. That is very <laughs> yeah. true, very true. I, so, so you, so I like that idea. You know, that that's the Acme portable whole idea that maybe they either go to a farm upstate yeah. or they end up in some black, featureless existence that they have to stay in until summoned. Yeah, I, I think it might be the second one because we know from uh, the original anime series that Pikachu really doesn't like being in the Pokeball. So I'm guessing it sucks in there, and it's not it's not a nice farm upstate. It's probably more the featureless black hole that's really boring and terrifying. <laughs> that is really funny. So, uh, you know, I-, I promise you guys an in-real-life Pokeball. You guys want to hear this? Oh, I'm ready. I- I've been waiting for this. Definitely. This is, this is really cool. This is actually very recent. I'm going to put, it, I'll put a link to the article. But just recently, there was a small previously undiscovered dinosaur head that's smaller than a hummingbird hundreds of teeth in its mouth a flying dinosaur that was captured in amber Ooh. so Tricep that was hardened and created this heretofore unknown essentially a pokemon i mean it's a, it's a it's a it was like this small carnivore small about a hummingbird sized carnivore that is being discovered that's discovered this is the original pokeball it's hard to get them released they kind of die and they're kind of preserved <laughs> in it but but it's you know it's preserving yeah. an animal and there was another another interesting one where an ancient cockroach was discovered in amber with its own poop 
which is disgusting, but it's very important because it's the first time that depositor and deposit were found in the same preserved amber structure. So you were able to determine what it ate and then how it was kind of how the poop was formed and what the microbes were. And they discovered that both the microbes in that cockroach and termites are very similar and almost unchanged, which would imply that that symbiotic relationship, which we've talked about several times on the show, our microbiome, that that symbiosis actually dates back at least 100,000 years, which is very interesting biology. But those are two things that were captured in amber, a.k.a. the first Pokeball. That is amazing. Dan, I'm actually giving you that one. That uh, That's a win right there. You like there. that one? Because you know what? Cool. You combine amber with carbonite, and you figure out how to unamber it, and now you've got yeah. the full Pokeball. Got the full Pokeball. Right. Two episodes, we got the full Pokeball. Uh, very analog version of it, less energetic, yep. but uh, but you still got the same result, right? Well, and, and dinosaurs are certainly as cool as Pokemon, so. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. You know, one of the things that we that's in this movie that I want to talk about, we talked about clones a lot, but one of the things I thought was really interesting on this was this idea of instantaneous clones, which I almost feel like yeah. may be beyond the scope of even the brain trust. <laughs> unless well, they... so, so the cool thing about that, I'm going to just throw out there, I'm, I know I'm beating a dead horse here, um, not to make another reference to our Westworld discussions coming up. But, sure, you're really looking forward to that, aren't you? Oh, I am. I'm excited. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But if you think of a world where it, 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 I'm really getting intrigued by this. What would it mean? How, how would you look at a world where the quantum mechanics was different and you're actually doing interesting quantum stuff? This may be a very different type of clone than we've ever talked about before in that it could be a quantum clone. Um, hmm. And you're basically sending the animal through a double slit and getting two of them. I just made that up. Yeah. Well, and that's why they have slightly different skin patterning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's wow. the interference effect that occurs as you go through the slits. Yeah. So, so it's a weird. Yeah, I'm, 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 I am so losing my physics card for this one, but I really, I, I, <laughs> I, I really think it's a yeah. fun thing to think about what happens as you change the constants you know, of, of the universe besides just the boring ones where the universe doesn't exist. Sure. And if we go with the more practical, the more right. practical, <laughs> the air quotes, more practical uh, teleportation method, <laughs> and we use the non-quantum, but the matter, you know, the scan and deposit matter version of teleportation, if that's what the Pokeballs are doing, um, then really you're, they're actually cloning machines. They're not just, hmm. you know, a, a teleporter that, uh, is just a copier where you destroy the first, you destroy, destroy the original. Right. Oh, I like right. that, Ben. Okay, I'm, I'm giving Ben the win on this one. What? Over, over Amber? Case, the oh, no, no, no. Pokemon? The Amber's the win. I'm talking about for the just the, the cloning part, Dan. Oh the, cl- oh, the cloning win. Yeah, just for the cloning win. Oh, okay. I like that. All it's right. a very localized win. They're just teleporter photocopies. And they're and they're slightly different. That's really interesting. Yeah. I like that. That is a good one. I like that a lot. And that's why they're evil. That's why they have the goatees. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Because we all know the photo- photocopy of anything is more evil than the original. <laughs> that's just yeah. Very true. So the last thing I want to cover, which I, I thought was a very, I, I don't even know, I, I don't even know how to like really address. I don't have an answer for this. But at the end of the movie. Pokemon Tears seem to have some sort of power of resurrection, or at the very least, some sort of uh, they they can uh, wake up the body or restart. I don't I don't know, but at some point, yeah. we don't really know if Ash dies, but he turns black, which is usually the term that someone's dead. 
but he may just be transmuted right. into some sort of other chemical. I don't know what happens there, but the the accumulation of all of the Pokemon tears on him wakes him up or revives him or something. What, what, what's what's going on here? Well, I think the easy answer is he got frozen in Pokemon carbonite. R- right. And the tears melted him. <laughs> that is, Dang that's it, the, that's the more practical. <laughs> the more practical answer, I air quotes. It, it is. <laughs> I, I'm going to need to have to come up with another answer in under two seconds because that was my answer. <laughs> I, I actually think, I, I think this is very clear. I okay. think this was the only part of the movie I understood. All right. <laughs> the, 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 wow, visual okay. part, the visual part was so obvious. Before, because I, I will, okay, I reveal something here, the inner workings yeah. of the brain. We do actually occasionally prep for these episodes. Is that okay to reveal? Yeah, absolutely, um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I knew you had mentioned something about healing tears, which I had actually forgotten in the distraction of how confused I was at the movie for a moment, right? And, and so when I saw him get hit and, and the way he was, it was very shiny. It was very something. I'm like, he's coded, right? I did not think he was dead, right? Like dead would have been actual char and dust. This was not burning. This was mm-hmm. clearly a coding of a Pokemon shell. And then sure. when they started crying, I'm like, oh yes, the tears resurrect him because they melt the shell. That I mean, they're sense. both the same material, right? Yeah. It was He was stuck in Pokemon energies, for lack of a better word, that created a hard shell around him. And the Pokemon yeah. tears simply melted the shell. He was he was fine the whole time. He was in there going, "What yeah. the heck is going on? I can't see." Yeah, it. Uh, the, both Mew and Mewtwo are psychic types, so you know it, it was pure psychic energy that you know froze him in place like that. And yeah, you just need a little you know love from all your Pokemon buddies to uh, get you out of that. Right now, if I so so if I understand this correctly, if I can put this in terms that Denon can understand, this <laughs> right. would be like magic shell syrup over ice cream that as you pour it on there it hardens over the ice cream and then your saliva will melt yeah. it away that is perfect dan that is, is that right exactly what i was envisioning and then i went out and got some ice cream <laughs> right <laughs> okay yeah. i like that although to avoid any potential uh pedantry it is also possible uh, mewtwo was using a ghost type attack <laughs> at that moment because he also does a shadow ball and it was clear he was doing shadow balls against was you clear. earlier in the fight. If anything so. was clear in the movie, it was clear that Mewtwo was using shadow balls <laughs> yeah. earlier in the fight. That's what I got from this. <laughs> I, I will point out that Mew almost became my favorite Pokemon. He came about five bubbles short. Because <laughs> he made bubbles and he sat on them, but he never made a foam. Oh! <laughs> yeah. Five yes. bubbles short of a foam. That is, that's going on a shirt. I like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's really funny. You know, we didn't even talk about... Uh, one of my favorite kind of themes of the show was what if the bad guys got a hold of Superman, right? Like, you've got this incredibly powerful right. Pokemon that it essentially goes rogue and kind of takes out the people who were kind of used him they want to use him as a weapon which i thought was a really cool theme of of the of the movie there were a lot of really fun kind of like thoughtful philosophical arguments in this movie that i thought were really cool but we'll save those for a later date so i think we got pretty close to pokemon we definitely nailed um the resurrection tears for sure Uh, but if you have anything to add of course you can follow the show we're on twitter at f triple g b t pod we are on facebook at f triple g b t and we are individually on social media i know for a fact ben is on all the major social media as he as he defines them ben how can people find you yeah you can find me on all those major networks at b seepser how do you spell that that's b s i e p s e r is that still your tumblr account is it b 
Sadly, it's not a tumbler. No, no tumbler. Okay, we'll have to we'll have to reserve that for you. I don't want anyone taking yeah. it and and posting as as the artificial the evil bee seepser with the with the yeah. dark goatee. Denon, where can people find you? Well, they can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Denon Michael. Just reverse the name, and then of course on Facebook at Prof Denon Michael. There it is, Prof Denon Michael on Facebook. You can find me on Facebook at, at Analytical Mastermind. I'm on Twitter at, at Daniel J. Glenn and Instagram at the Daniel J. Glenn. So this was a pretty monumental episode. I've been looking to do Pokemon looking to do Pokemon for a while, and uh, we got Pokemon and Pokeballs, Resurrection Tears. Kind of nailed it all. So people listening, we're giving you a lot of information. Be be careful with this information. It is very powerful stuff. You want to be a superhero, not a supervillain. Until next time. Thank you for listening. Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies is a Glencoe production and is produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design written and performed by Paul Springers. If you love this show, if you like this show, even if you're on the fence with this show, you got to subscribe. You're not going to know until you listen to every single episode, so you got to do that. Here's where you can do it. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify, and we even do an audio version for YouTube. Where can you find all that? You can go to the website, ftriplegbt.com. You can find links to all of the things we just talked about, every place to see the show. You can find all the social media links as well. There's even a link to the newsletters. You can find out about this show and future episodes. You can learn about previous episodes. And we talk about a lot of science here. I've got all my work. You can check my work. I got the links. I got all the science articles right there on the website. You can click at the top of the page for all the episodes and everything. We got it there, F triple g bt.com and if you like this show you're gonna like everything that i do go to danieljglenn.com to find out more thank you for listening